0: The title of this series for the next four weeks, Act Your Wage. If I want to be healthy, if I want to be healthy in any area of my life, I have to develop healthy habits in that area. I mean, if I want to be healthy in any way, if I want to be healthy physically, if I want to be healthy in my body, then i got to develop physical habits like eating right and uh, exercising. I love this one. Getting enough sleep. That's an epidemic right there, guys. People not getting enough sleep and not getting enough rest. Not, not, you know, we obey all the other Ten Commandments, but when it comes to the one about resting one day a week, we think that's an option. It's not. When God said... To obey that commandment to rest one day a week, that was just as important as thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. We need lower stress in our life. One of the ways we get that is through rest. So if I want to be physically healthy, I've got to develop habits in that area. If I want a healthy marriage, if I want a healthy marriage, I've got to develop healthy habits. Like being careful about the way I talk to my wife and communicate with my wife. I was a jerk to her last weekend on Saturday. Uh, Actually, it was on Friday of last weekend, and I was nervous and a little bit stressed because I was about to go to South Carolina and speak to all these pastors and leaders, and nothing makes me more nervous than speaking to pastors and leaders. So I was a little nervous. I was a little stressed. made me cranky. Snapped at her a bunch of times, got in the car, headed out for South Carolina, got to the hotel room in South Carolina, and God spanked me all the way to South Carolina. (laughs) And when I got in my hotel room and hooked up, as Pastor Andy says, to the internet, I put on Facebook publicly how sorry I was because she doesn't deserve it. So if I want a good marriage, I have got, if I want a healthy marriage, I've got to have healthy habits. I've got to be careful about the way I talk. Not just the way I talk, but the way I listen and the way I respond to problems. Hey guys, seriously, that uh, commercial with the two owls. <laughs> and she's talking to you. You just can't keep saying, who? <laughs> who? How many of y'all seen that? Isn't that good? That's awesome. It's almost as good as the camel. whoop <laughs> day. You, Woo-hoo. Don't you love that commercial? Every time Neil and I are watching TV, I'm going, come. here it is, here it is, get in here. So if I want to develop healthy finances and I want to be financially fit, then I've got to stop doing some bad habits and start doing some good habits. And that really is the crux of the first two messages in this sermon series. At the end of this service today, we're going to have a special prayer for those who are really, really struggling financially. And we're going to have our prayer team up here. They're going to be ready to pray for you. I've, God gave me a prayer to pray over the whole congregation. I'm going to do that at the end. But then if you want to stay after that prayer and have special prayer for your job, your finances, your income, uh, your bills, your debt, all of that, I want you to come. How many of y'all know God does financial miracles? God does financial miracles, and we serve a God who loves to do them, but Why should God do a miracle in our lives if we're not going to obey his word and act our wage? If we're not going to change our attitude, why should he do a miracle? If we're going to keep going with the same actions and the same habits and the same behaviors, then why should God do a financial miracle for us? He loves to do them. I've seen many of them in my ministry and my time and I've seen them in my mom and dad's life before I became a pastor. and I've seen God bring money where you had no idea it would come from. Sometimes you didn't even know where it came from. I've seen my mom and dad literally at the bottom of the barrel and, and a check just comes from somewhere. That's God. But God says first you've got to get your act together. I'll do miracles in your life. I'll do financial miracles in in your life. But you've got to learn to handle your finances the way I have taught you to do it in your word. He wants us to act our wage. And so today and next Sunday, I'm going to give you eight habits. For today, for next Sunday, eight habits that you need to develop. All eight of these are in the Word of God and they're in order. The first one's the most important, the second one's the second most important, the third one is the third most important, and so on. But list how many of them are important? All of them are important, okay? Number one, number one. The Bible teaches that the first thing I have to do if I'm going to get myself financially fit is I've got to remember that God is my. God's your source. That's where you start, right there. Come on, come on, come on. Get it in your mind. You gotta go, you know what, you know what? I've been looking for other things to meet my needs. I've been, I've been thinking other things are my source. That's the first change I gotta have. That's the first Romans 12, one and two. That's the first change transformation of the mind that's got to happen is I've got to understand that my source is not my salary. My source is not my job. My source is not my savings. My source is not my spouse. My source is not my health. My source is God Almighty. My source is not the lottery. It's not an inheritance you're going to get one day. How many of y'all have ever Really, really been confident that there was some money coming, so you went ahead and spent more money now. How'd that work out for you? Not too good. My source, my security is in God. Now listen, the reason that's so important for you to put your faith in God and your trust in God is that you have to put your security in something that can't be taken away from you. And when you put it in God, that can never be taken away from you. That can never, ever be taken away from you. If you put your security in something that can be taken from you, then you're going to be fearful and insecure the rest of your life. But when you put your faith in something that can't be taken from you, then you're going to have confidence, you're going to have peace, your stress level is going to drop, you're going to have much less anxiety, your salary, you can lose it. Your job, you can lose it. Your savings, you can lose it. Your spouse, you can lose it. Your health, you can lose it. You've got to put your security in something that can't be taken from you, and that's your walk with God. God is your source. God is your supply. There's no other source. And if a finan- when you put your trust in God, if a financial faucet gets cut off over here, God can cut one on over here. But if your faith isn't in God and you look to something else as your source and that faucet goes out, it doesn't have the power to open up another one. Only God can do that. So put your faith in God. I mean, if a door closes over here, God can open one where you didn't even see one. Look at Deuteronomy 8.18. Deuteronomy 8.18 says always what? How often? Always. Always remember the Lord your God For it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It is Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. If you've been blessed financially, He did it. You say, well, I love God, but I I really haven't been blessed financially. Visit another country. Visit a third world country. You'll see how blessed you are. God owns it all. He simply loans it to us temporarily. I got news for y'all, you're naked when you come in, you can be naked when you go out. Deep preaching right there. Naked. (laughs) Now for y'all who ain't from the south, naked means you ain't got no clothes on. Naked means you ain't got no clothes on and you up to something. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. It wasn't yours when you were born. It won't be yours when you die. You just get to use it for 80 or 90 or 100 years. After you die, he's going to take your stuff and give it to somebody else. You didn't bring it with you, you're not going to take it out with you. Y'all know the story. I've told this joke a hundred times, but I would appreciate it if you laugh one more time. You know about the guy who had tons of money, and when he died, he told them to put the money in the attic so that when he died, as he was on his way to heaven, he would grab it and take it up to heaven with him. And when he died, they ran up to the attic. It was still there. Somebody said, I told you we should have put it in the basement. Every economy, including America, has wealth makers and wealth takers. Every economy in the world, including America, has wealth makers and wealth takers. There are wealth producers and wealth users. There are wealth contributors and wealth consumers. Now I'm about to preach right here. The economy gets turned upside down when there are more consumers than there are contributors. We're right there, right now, in this country. When there are more people taking out of the economy than there are people putting into the economy. Listen, I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I can do that math right there. Right now, more than half of all Americans are taking more out of the economy than they're putting in it. So we got more consumers than we have contributors. God said, God said, I designed you, I made you to what? That's how I made you, God says. That's how I made people. That's what I want people to do. God wants you to be productive. God wants you to be productive. And a part of his plan for your life includes wealth production or wealth creation. Not wealth redistribution, but wealth creation. Can I tell you the difference between capitalism and socialism and Christianity? Now, first of all, before I talk about capitalism, let me tell you, I'm a red-blooded, flag-waving American, and I believe in the free enterprise system. Amen? Listen, I believe in capitalism, but capitalism apart from God says this. It says what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And if you don't make it like I make it, tough luck. Too bad for you. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. So even capitalism, even the free enterprise system, apart from God, we can become very, very greedy and very, very self-centered. And the people at the bridge said... Socialism says what's mine, what's yours is mine. <laughs> what's yours is mine and I have a right to take it. It doesn't matter if you worked harder than me. It just isn't fair for you to have more than I do. So I get to take yours. Anybody listen to me preach? This is called redistribution of wealth. So let me tell you what Christianity says. Christianity says what's mine is really God's and I'm going to share it. Amen, amen, amen. He's our source. He's our source. He's our source. God is the provider of benefits. God is the provider of salaries. God is the provider of services. God is the provider of protection. God is the provider of help. It is God who creates prosperity. Number two, the Bible teaches us that the second thing we have to do if we're going to get ourselves together financially is our income has to be made how? Honestly. Honestly. There's nothing wrong with prosperity. There's nothing wrong with prospering. There's no, hey, there's nothing wrong with making a profit. But I have to do it right If I, here's where it gets wrong. When I make prosperity and prospering and profit my number one one goal in life, when I do that and when I don't make it in integrity, that's when sin comes in. So the first thing we do is we we remember that God is our source. The second thing is we make money honestly. Let me just be real blunt, real plain with you so you don't have any question what I'm talking about. God will not bless a cheater. So I want you to really look at your life today because I'm about to show you some ways you can cheat that you haven't thought of because some of y'all are sitting here right now thinking, well, I'm not a bank robber, so you ain't talking to me. God doesn't bless a cheater. God doesn't bless a crook. God doesn't bless deception. God doesn't bless people who steal, whether they steal with a mask on their face and a gun in their hand or whether they steal in some crooked business deal. stealing is stealing. I'll just calm down while y'all shout. (laughs) Proverbs 15, 27, look at it. Dishonest money brings grief. So if you don't care about yourself having grief, you say, I'll take the grief, but I want the money too. How about look at this? Dishonest money brings grief to Whole family. And then there are other references here that we'll get to in just a minute. This verse isn't for me because I'm not Robin Banks, pastor. Well, let me suggest a few ways you can be dishonest. Not giving a full honest day's work. If you made a promise when you got a job and you said, I'll do that if you'll pay me this much. If you're not giving a full honest day's work, that's Stealing. Number two, padding an expense account. Putting things on your expense account if you have that ability to do in your job that you know doesn't have anything to do with your business is dishonest income. Y'all calm down now. Let me preach. Number three, misusing resources at the office is dishonest. They don't pay me enough, so I'm going to take that box of paperclips. They don't pay me enough, so I'm going to take that stapler you say well a box of paper clips isn't much and a stapler isn't much but you know what you might as well stole a hundred thousand dollars stealing stealing we're having a revival up in here today God says and I got to tell you this I'm your pastor I love you I've got to tell me this God don't bless dishonesty God doesn't bless that kind of behavior it brings grief not only to the one who does it but the whole family. Let's go through these scriptures down here, Proverbs 16:11. The Lord demands what? It's in your notes. It's in your notes. The Lord demands fairness in how many business deals? He sets the standard. That's the Bible. When I misrepresent something in a deal, I am to be totally above board and honest. But if I misrepresent something, if I'm hiding the truth, God says I'm not going to bless that. See, you might have cheated that guy and got $1,000 more for whatever it was you were selling him because you didn't tell him the whole truth. But you don't reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. So you might have got that extra $1,000, but somewhere down the road you're going to reap that and... Bingo. God bless his integrity. Look at Proverbs 28, 2. If you make money by charging high interest rates, you will lose it all to someone who cares for the poor. Did y'all know that was in the Bible? If you take advantage of somebody or some business or company or bank or lending institution takes advantage of people and charges high interest rates, the Bible says they'll lose all that money and it'll end up in the hands of people who care for the poor. Proverbs thirteen eleven: Wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears. How many of y'all know that's true? But wealth from hard work grows. The Bible warns against this kind of behavior over and over. I'm your pastor. I love you. So I'm going to give you five standards that will prevent you from being fooled by a scam. It's right there in your notes. Number one: Invest only in what you know and understand. Number two, never invest in anything based on emotion. How many of y'all have been to a rally, one of those rallies, and when they get through talking, you're ready to give them one of your children? (laughs) Never invest in anything based on emotion. Never risk borrowed money. Always talk to people you trust before investing. (laughs) Number five, y'all with me? Always doubt someone who's offering a big deal opportunity and you better get in on it now because it's the ground floor level. Have y'all ever heard that? I've not only heard it, I've gotten in on it. (laughs) And I'm still on the ground floor. Proverbs 21.5, look at this verse, it's in your notes. Steady plotting brings what? Hasty speculation brings, that's from a book of wise thoughts. No, that is from the Bible. Number three, the Bible teaches that the third thing you've got to do to get yourself financially fit is you've got to honor God first. Now I know what you're thinking, oh, now he's going to talk about, hey, we need to give to the church and we need to give more to the church. And I thought this was going to be something for me. I didn't know you was going to ask for something. I thought you said you weren't going to ask for something from me. I told you that what I'm going to give you today are four principles on how to get out of debt. And I'm just telling you, if you don't honor God first, it's going to be hard to get out of debt. You got to honor God first. The bottom line is this whatever I want God to bless, I've got to put Him first in that thing. That was, I, I got to tell you something. Somebody ought to tweet that right there, and I don't even know what that is, but you need to tweet that. You said somebody's out there going, say it again. Okay? <laughs> whatever I want God to bless, I have to put Him first in. I got to put him first in that if I want him to bless it. You can't ask God to bless some part of your life, but he's not first in that part of your life. If you want God to bless your finances, if you want to get out of debt, if you want to see some supernatural, two fish and five loaves of bread turning into 12 basketfuls, you got to put God first. What did that little boy do that day? He put Jesus first. He put others first. He had his little bag lunch, and he walked up to Jesus and gave him the whole thing. And you know what Jesus did? He took it. He broke it, and he blessed it. And when they got through, they said, we're going to take up what's left over, son, and give it back to you, 12 basketfuls. I'd love to have been home. When he got home with that that afternoon, and his mama said, where'd you get that? (laughs) And he goes, Mama, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. If I want God to bless my marriage, I've got to put him first. If I want God to bless my time, I've got to put him first and make him the first part of every day in my quiet time. If I want God to bless my business, I've got to put him first in my business. If I want God to bless the church, I pastor, I've got to put him first. If I want God to bless my money, I've got to put him first in my money. This is the principle of tithing. Right off the top, I give the first 10% back to God. Now, I know you're out there, and I know you're saying 10%. I don't believe in that. That's in the Old Testament. I I follow the New Testament. Great, because the New Testament says 10% is just a starting place. So, yeah, go with the New Testament. I'm all for it. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord by giving him the of how much, and he will too. That's the Bible right there. That's God talking. Why are we supposed to tithe? Deuteronomy 14, 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God in your life. God doesn't need your money. God wants what your money represents. He wants you. That's the hardest thing in the world for us to give up is our money. God wants you to trust him. Malachi 310. (laughs) It's the only Italian writer in the Bible. (laughs) Malachi 3.10, bring to my storehouse, the bridge, a full tenth of what you earn. And then he says what? Test me. You know what God's saying right there? Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Test me in this, says the Lord. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. How many of them? 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of every week, put aside some of what you've earned during the week and use it for the offering. See, here's the, here comes this New Testament principle. The amount you give depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. So what I'd do if I was y'all, if you kind of tied on that, just stick with that 10%. Because that last sentence right there means you, you give based on how he's blessed you. I mean, if I make $10, I just give him a dollar. How much of the $10 is his? All of it. All of it. So I give him a dollar, so he lets me keep $9 of his money. I mean, that's a pretty good deal right there. That's better than a red dot special at Belk's. (laughs) If I make $100, I give God $10. Number four, number four, this is it, final one. The Bible teaches that the fourth thing I have to do if I'm going to get myself financially fit is I've got to save money wisely. So let's go back over it real quick. First of all, I've got to know and believe that he's my source, my salary, my job, That's not my source. He's my source. And number two, I've got to make money. God's cool with me making money, but I've got to make it what? Honestly. Number three, I've got to honor God first. Whatever I want God to bless in my life, I've got to honor him first in that area. And number four, I've got to save some of it. Now, I'm about to tell you something that might be hard for you to hear, but I want you to just hear it and then just let God deal in your heart about it. Some of you uh, here, here's what I'm saying, save some of your money before you pay your bills. Save some of your money before you pay your bills. This is what the Bible says to do. If you wait until you pay your bill until your bills are paid off to start saving, you'll never save anything. You'll never save anything. I know you're out there going, I don't know how to do that because I don't have enough money to pay my bills. also I really don't know how I'm going to save anything. Hang on. Most people are going to get retirement if they're not very careful, flat broke because they spent all their money and never saved anything. Here's the deal God says, pay pay Him first. Pay Him first. Pay yourself second. And live on the rest. Learn how to pay yourself first. uh, God first. (laughs) Eh, that Adamic sin nature. Pay God first, yourself second, live on the rest. Use the rest to pay your bills, to repay debt, things like that. If you don't, you'll never save anything. John D. Rockefeller was the very first mega millionaire in America. And they asked him one time, how do you get to be a mega millionaire? Listen to this. This is what John D. Rockefeller said. He said, I live by the 10-10-80 principle. He said, the first 10% I give to God, the second 10% I pay myself, and the 80% I live on. 10-10-80. 10-10-80. 10-10-80. I'm telling you right now, if you, will, if you will stop ignoring God as it relates to your finances and give him your finances and begin to pray and go, God, I'm going to do what pastor said. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to live. I'm gonna, I don't know if I can pay myself 10, but I'm going to pay you 10, and I'm going to pay myself, but I'm going to save something, and then I'm going to live on what's left. I mean, even if I have to call some people and say, look, I can't do anything this month. Pay God first, pay myself second, live on what's left. But you've got to let God in it because whatever you want God to bless, he's got to be first then. Proverbs 21, 20. The wise man, the smart man, the intelligent man, what? Saves for the future, but the foolish man does what? Spends all he gets. I've been the foolish man. I've been the foolish man. Sometimes I still am the foolish man. And so God, in my time with him, pulls me back in. Pulls me back in. Did you know that the average Japanese saves 25% of their income? Did you know that the average European saves 15% of their income? (laughs) Did you know that last year, the average American spent 1% more than they made? So not only, I mean, you can point at the government and talk about how sorry they are handling money, but guys, we're being as irresponsible as they are. Because we're not saving any either. So some of y'all need to get mad at the government and call them up and go and quit handling money like I do. <laughs> Let me give you a question to ask every time you go to buy something, every time you start to buy something. Every time you start to buy something, I'm talking to you, Farrell. I hear you, bro. Do I really need this? Do I really need this? Now, you might be able to get it later when your finances get in order. You can get some stuff you want. But if you're trying to get your financial house in order, you're going to have to say no to some things. When you're saving money, it's working for you instead of you working for the money. Somebody say hallelujah. I mean, when you've got money in savings, it's making money for you while you're sleeping. Mm. Proverbs 24, 27, it's in your notes. Develop your business First, before you build your house. You say, what in the world does that mean? It means before you go buy new drapes, before you go redecorate, before you buy another piece of furniture or art, instead of that, you ought to take that money and invest it in something that's going to make money for you. Here's the deal, guys. We've got to learn to get as much pleasure out of saving money as we do out of spending money. Because some of y'all... When you go spend money, it's like, what's up? (laughs) I've never done that. I've I've only seen that imitate. Some of y'all don't even know what I did. Are y'all with me? It'll give you a buzz. Some of y'all, when you get depressed, you go, I'm shopping, I'm going shopping. Is that a bad thing to do? Oh. Diversification. Ecclesiastes 11.2. It's in your notes. Invest what you have in what? Several different places because you don't know what disasters might happen. In the book of Hezekiah, it says, do not put all your eggs in one basket. Hezekiah's not in the Bible, y'all. I'm just, I just saw somebody going, well, the Bible says to put a little bit of your savings here, a little bit of your savings there, a little here, spread it out. Any money manager will tell you that it is a balanced portfolio that you need if you want to minimize risk. Proverbs 13, 11. Proverbs 13, 11, Look what it says. Money that comes easily disappears quickly. But money that is gathered little by little. See, That's what drives y'all crazy, because you're in debt, and you want to get out of debt right now. Can I tell you, it took you a long time to get where you are, and it's going to take you a while to dig out of that hole. But if you'll do these four things, and the four things I'm going to share with you next week, I promise you, you're going to start coming out of that pit. Pay God first, put yourself second, that's what God blesses. That's the way God blesses. You do that over time and your finances will turn around. It's not the amount, it's the consistency. I want you all to stand. I'm going to pray over you. Prayer team, I want you to come. Let's go over the four things real quick. Real quick. If I want to turn my financial self around, if I want to get out of debt, number one, i got to remember that God is my source. So, if I didn't get that job I thought I was going to get, I've, I've made God number one in my life. That means God's got something mo better. God's got something better. If you get laid off your job, if you get laid off your job, see, if you had your faith in that job, you're going to be told up. But if you have your hope in Jesus, when you lose your job, you might be a little bit knocked back by that, but you're going to go, king's still on the throne. King's still on the throne. I'm still his servant. Number three, I got to honor God first. got to start tithing. i got to start tithing to my church. I can't ask God to bless my finances when I'm not even doing what he told me I have to do. Let me say this about tithing. Some people disagree with me on this, but everybody's got a right to be wrong. Listen. <laughs> Start with 5%. And go, you know, I don't just won't feel like I can do 10%. Do five. Then in six months, do six. And then in six months, do seven. And before you know it, you'll be, look, you'll be given 10, 11, 12%. And so you'll be able to make up for some of that time you weren't tithing. Amen, amen. Little chunks, little chunks, little by and then finally you gotta save some wisely. Let's pray, let's pray.